Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Oh, it's a battle right now, folks. It's a battle. Which team can have the fewest number of late scratches? That's the battle. Nothing else really seems to matter at this point. Ah. But you know what? It is what it is, what it is, what it is. And so we will continue. I uh, First of all, hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris. Um, I, I, I put out a couple of polls on Twitter yesterday just to get a feel for uh, how all of you felt on certain things that, that I do on the pod, um, that we do at Sports Ethos as a whole. And one of the polls I put out, don't worry, we're going we're gonna to dive into the box scores here in a second, but this is, this is fantasy relevant, was do, do folks want me to do more head-to-head related stuff on the podcast? And about a third of folks said to leave it as is, and about two-thirds said to add a little bit more head-to-head. And the thing that I thought was interesting about this was I I actually feel like we do a fair amount of head-to-head on the show. And I think that there's a perception element, and I'm, I'm fully responsible for this, by the way, because I talk about how much I prefer Roto, but I still talk about head-to-head I mean during draft season we we discuss some punt strategies we get into that a little bit maybe we could do a little bit more on that front but we talk about how drafts should be different head-to-head versus roto how you are really looking uh health is is so much more important on the head-to-head side because those those game time decision players that don't play and you're just collecting zeros and you can't do anything about it that's backbreaking in head-to-head in a way that in roto it's eh, a little bit annoying but that's it we talk about that. During the season, I try to uh, color players that maybe fit a punt build a little bit better. And yes, overall, this podcast is is at a baseline, covers players that are a nine-cat successful player. Which to some, it's like, oh, well, that's Roto. That's not Roto. That's any format if you're trying to compete in all nine categories. Which I realize some of you, many of you even, that are in head-to-head leagues, probably aren't trying to compete in all nine categories, but you kind of have to make those tweaks yourself. Because if I talked about every single player that had any head-to-head value at any time, we'd have a two-hour podcast every day. And so ultimately, I think the true answer to this question is, I don't have the time for this, but two shows, one that does sort of all of the stuff I'm doing right now, and one that's like, hey, if you are, if you need this spin-off program... This is the the Matt LeBlanc, LeBlanc spinoff from this this program. Is here we'll dive into some of these players we talked about on the the big cover everything show, and we'll nail it in on just how they their valuation may change in head to head format, meaning schedule, health, punt, things of that nature. I don't have time for that. But I do think that there's more head-to-head discussion in this in this show than people give it credit for, probably because I'm, well, frankly, a little bit of a bee when it comes to head-to-head as a, a, in total. 
The other polls we put out there were just trying to get a feel for what folks used the most in the Sports Ethos draft content, also the Sports Ethos premium stuff. So if you have a moment to go back and vote in those, I, I think there's a few hours left on them. I thought that first one was relatively interesting, though, uh, that there is still this very strong feeling that I don't talk about head-to-head when I think I do. Maybe not as much as others, but at the end of the day, probably not going to be two shows. Thought that was kind of notable. And we roll on. I hope you all will follow me on social media. I am at Dan Bespris over on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sports Ethos is sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy BK, Ethos Fantasy BB, if you want to check out the baseball stuff. Uh, MLB Draft Guide is available right now in the Fantasy Pass for just $5.99. Yep, six bucks. That's it. Go get one. You'll be happy you did if you're playing any fantasy baseball, and I'm sure some fraction of you listening to this show are indeed playing fantasy baseball. Let's go ahead and dive into the Wednesday results. We'll do a little streaming discussion at the end, although today's uh, streaming chat might be the briefest, most brief, of all of them so far as a warning slash precursor here. Philly beat Cleveland 118-109. DeAnthony Melton finally had the sort of cliff game where for all this time, Harden took a day off and Tucker and Tobias had a game off and he was kind of hanging in there. And the thing that felt better, at least, was him coming off the bench, being part of that bench unit, but he just didn't have it in this one. The bench unit as a whole didn't really have it. So the starters, yeah, they logged bonus minutes. James Harden played 40 in this win over Cleveland. Uh, I, I do think that... As much as I love DeAnthony Melton and his fantasy game, we're at a point now with Philly fully healthy and his role, unfortunately, not terrific, where we have to kind of be real with ourselves. There's a difference between what Melton has been for the entire season and what he's been lately. And for the last month, he's outside the top 125 with a few really good games mixed in with a lot of much slower activity. So 125, what does that mean? That's a schedule play. And that's okay. There's still a usefulness for that. Philly has a really strong schedule coming up uh, starting tomorrow, actually. They go six games in nine nights, including a back-to-back tomorrow, Saturday. Although, And you'll probably see a couple of the regulars resting in one of those two games at Charlotte or at Indiana because, you know, Charlotte tank team. So maybe that's a time when Melton does kick it back into high gear. As Cleveland goes, Jared Allen is still dealing with the eye stuff. Uh, don't know exactly when he'll be back. They they tried Lamar Stevens, and that didn't work. So we ended up getting a heavier dose of Karis LeVert. He played 36 minutes off the bench. He's actually had a couple of good ball games in a row. I don't trust him in Roto. We know how fast the wheels can come off with LeVert, especially on the efficiency side. And they just had their back-to-back. That was sort of it. Cavs have a game tomorrow, then they're off for three days after that. So this is not a team where I'm taking a, hey, why not kind of plunge in, frankly, any format right now. Any format right now. Let's move along to the next one. Miami blew out Memphis. Grizzlies, you know, the injuries have sort of caught up with them a little bit. Desmond Bain got ejected midway through this ballgame on top of everything else. No jaw. Although the news yesterday, and maybe that should have been the header on on this podcast, is that Jaws suspension came down eight games, but with this one, he's already missed six. 
So uh, Memphis is, what, a couple of games over the weekend here, tomorrow, Saturday. He's eligible to return to the team Monday the 20th, and then he'll ramp back up to uh, playable status. I I did get to ask the question, when do I think that means he'll play? He hasn't been out that long. Eight eight games is not very much. That's, you know, effectively two weeks. Still a super young dude. I think maybe it takes, what, one, maybe two more games to get his conditioning up, if that I think uh, I think we see him by the end of next week at the absolute latest on the jaw front. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. As far as the, the interim goes, this is a blowout, so don't read too much into it. Xavier Tillman is still a very safe center stream. Tyus Jones is still a very safe point guard stream. And just kind of huck this one in the garbage. On the Miami side, uh, it's the main three right now. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero. Everybody else on the Heat who's been discussed at any point this year on a podcast effectively right now is a schedule stream. Caleb Martin, schedule play. Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Kevin Love. These guys are all schedule plays. And for Miami, we're basically at the tail end of the good part of their schedule this week. They go back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, and then they have two games over the following eight days. So if you want to wedge something out of those guys, okay. But just know that it's all coming apart very shortly thereafter. Not a whole lot of stuff so far in those games. Uh, so we'll just we'll keep trucking along here. Boston, Minnesota, also not much fantasy-wise here. Late season Al Horford. So I know a lot of you are going to say, is Al Horford going big right now because Robert Williams is out? And that is helpful, certainly. But a lot of this is just late season Al Horford. He's done this a few times in recent memory where he starts to see the finish line, the energy gets up a little bit. He's a guy that just kind of stinks during the dog days of the basketball season. He doesn't shoot very much. He doesn't do very much. Well, he's back to doing again. Only three rebounds, but, I mean, what? Are we really complaining about three threes, a steal, two blocks, five assists, and four out of eight shooting? You better not be, you jerks. I will smite you if you're complaining about Horford's recent run. Big Al, by the way, top 40 over the last month. So stick it in your nose, you Al haters. And you're out there. I know you're out there, and you drive me crazy all season long. He's number 62, nine cat on the season. That's not fringy. That's not close to fringy. He's ranked ahead of Mitchell Robinson. I know that the low turnovers, blah, 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 low turnover, blah, blah, blah. But 
you're not punting turnovers, and in a lot of leagues, you aren't punting turnovers. What's your beef? No news on Minnesota. Same same stuff there. Cat um, slowly ramping up. I think he was doing some stuff on the court. Um, I don't know. I still think that he's a couple weeks away. Obviously, you look into it if you can stick him in an IL slot, but he's, he's rostered in every single league that I'm in. So this sort of isn't a thing for me, and I'd be a little bit surprised if he was available in yours unless, you know, unless you're in a playoff head-to-head and somebody had to abandon a roster slot. But even then, I don't see how you make the move until you know when he's actually coming back. Sacramento, we got a little bit of a better game from Keegan Murray in this one because he rebounded a little. Ten boards for Keegan. Malik Monk was a bit better. Actually, Kevin Herter was still kind of okay in this one. It's weird that those two were able to coexist, but they did. No Trey Lyles. He was suspended for a game for the Brook Lopez incident. Kings are the kings are the kings at this point. Herter, Monk, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. These guys are all basically schedule-level guys. I know. You can beat me up for that, but that's where they're at. No Alex Caruso on the Bulls' side. He was out with an illness, and he did not practice for Chicago, so apparently he's getting knocked around pretty good. Uh, they've got a back-to-back starting tomorrow, and you know that they'd, they'd love to have him, uh, but we'll see. With Caruso out, that meant more Iota Sunmo, who didn't do anything with it. It meant more Kobe White, who did do something with it, it didn't really mean more Patrick Williams, but he had a good ball game, and he has intermittently had some decent ones. And all of those names that I just said, tack on Patrick Beverly, are all solid schedule plays for Chicago right now. I thought Caruso might be a decent schedule play as well, and then he got ruled out late. But the Bulls have a good schedule coming up. They got uh, a, a Friday-Saturday back-to-back, so tomorrow, Saturday, and then they go four games each of the next two weeks if your season happens to go whatever distance. So those fringy players, you can squeeze out a four-game week. That's not a not a horrible thing. Patrick Beverly is starting to look a lot like old Patrick Beverly of rebounds and blocks fame from the guard spot. I love those out-of-position stats. He might be a roto play right now. Might, I say, but still on the table. Lakers did something extraordinarily dumb in this ballgame, and they started Rui Hachimura at center to start the game, or Jared Vanderbilt, or whatever you want to talk about. Vanderbilt officially got listed as the starting center, but Rui was the guy guarding Alperen Sengun at the beginning of the ballgame, and Rui was the guy expected to defend the rim. But frankly, it didn't really matter which of those two guys you stuck back near the rim. They just got destroyed. Absolutely 100% obliterated by the Rockets, who I think had 40 points in the paint at like the four-minute mark of the second quarter absolutely horrible. You can blame this on Anthony Davis for skipping the back-to-back. I think the coaching staff told him he couldn't anyway. I absolve Anthony Davis of blame. I don't think they were going to let him play in it. This one is entirely on the coaching staff. Because if you look at the Rockets and you're like, hey, this is a team that has like one capable outside shooter, why don't we play all of our guys that can't protect the rim at the same time The Rockets had a wonderful game plan, which was just attack every single time down. And it was dunk after layup after dunk after layup. Rockets only hit eight three-pointers in the ballgame, but they just scored right in front of the rim the first eight minutes of the game. Lakers finally threw Wenyan Gabriel in there at that point, but it was too late. I, I just, I mean, this is like, 
Basketball 101, and the Lakers took a wet dump on all reasonable strategy, and it burned him. And so poor Rui Achimura only got to play 18 minutes because he was trying to play out of position, and it went horribly. Wenyan Gabriel got 33 minutes off the bench and played extremely well. He was a plus 12 in a game the Lakers lost by four. Jared Vanderbilt was solid, but again, in the wrong lineups early in that ball game, he ended up with a good good one. Austin Reeves was excellent. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was not as excellent, which, I mean, we always know it's going to level off for him. And D'Angelo Russell kept going for the home run swing in this game, but he couldn't shoot. The whole Lakers team couldn't shoot. Uh, and they just they couldn't get it pulled back together. One thing that we are taking away from this, besides me just being irate that someone in that Lakers group was like, I got an idea, and someone else was like, that'll work, uh, is AD's going to miss another game at some point the rest of the year. Lakers do have a back-to-back. Uh, I believe it's extremely late in the season. It's a Utah Clippers back-to-back. My guess is they'll sit out the Clippers half, but... You know, who knows? It may depend on what the standings look like. So when that one rolls around, and your head-to-head league will be over by then, I would assume, but on the Roto side, here you go. I don't think they're going to be so dumb as to start Rui Hachimura again. So assume Wendon Gabriel will play as many minutes as he can without fouling out. Jared Vanderbilt will get a big rebounding bump. Uh, and then Reeves is comfortable enough now where he's coming off the bench, and he's legitimately taking shots for this team. For Houston... The uh, Jabari Smith Jr. takeover hit a little bit of a snag uh, with the percentages rearing their ugly head. Missed a bunch of free throws, missed a bunch of shots. It does seem overall like his confidence is swelling. And even in the midst of this absolutely atrocious game, he had back-to-back three-pointers when the Lakers got to within four midway through the fourth quarter. They were huge. He had the two biggest shots of the game probably for the Rockets and then missed every other shot he took. Alperen Sengun was in and out of foul trouble in this game where he probably would have done a little bit more. This was a very juicy matchup for him. Kevin Porter Jr., um, Lakers did not have the right guy to try to stop him. He, he just beat everybody that they threw at him. Um, and it's mostly because he attacked. Because there was no one to deal with his... like He was Euro-stepping two long, slow Euro-steps to the rim where uh, any reasonable rim protection would have rejected that stuff. But the Lakers had none of that. But I know what you're thinking. Dan, please talk to me for a second about Tari Eason and how his minutes have plummeted here lately. This is a situation where the starting unit was just good for Houston. Starters played well, so Eason got squeezed out. He played fine when he was out there. He wasn't great, um, but, you know, he was part of a unit that won their minutes. He played decent enough defense. But Jay Sean Tate actually had a better game, so he got a few of those extra minutes. And then again... If the starters are all going to get big minutes, that makes it a little tougher. I would try to hold Eason. Um, We've seen what he's capable of, but we also know that... uh, Seems like the internet might be chunking out for me over here, so apologies to folks that are watching live. We also know that he's a rookie, and these things, there's going to be ups and downs along the way. Dallas was still without Luka Doncic and without Kyrie Irving. Overtime means all the goodies for everybody. Dwight Powell had a big ball game. Reggie Bullock had a massive ball game. Christian Wood had a big one. Josh Green had a big one. Jaden Hardy missed all of his shots, but still had a pretty big counting stat type of ball game. What do we expect on Friday, tomorrow? Um, you know, Kyrie was talking about how his foot just really isn't getting better, so I feel like he might just miss this whole week which, 
mean, yeah, that does that suck? Yeah, that sucks a lot. That sucks a lot. They got they're in LA. It's a huge game against the Lakers tomorrow. Uh, and then they got Memphis, Golden State, a couple of games against Charlotte. That's where things lighten up just a tad here. But it's a rough stretch here outside of that Spurs game uh, for Dallas. But, you know, if Kyrie's out, expect Christian Wood to be uh, a big part of what they're doing because they need that offense. And then Josh Green and Jaden Harden are just going to have to take a crap ton of shots again. Would I trust Reggie Bullock in the next ball game? Uh, only if you badly need threes. And otherwise, I'd leave it alone. As far as the Spurs go, I mean, this is... I hate repeating myself with this team. The annoyance of the Spurs is that I can't just come on air and say, ah, do the last thing I said about San Antonio because I have to treat every show like someone's watching for the first time. But the Spurs is the the one time every other day right now where I'm like, God, I wish I didn't have to treat every show like someone was watching for the first time. Spurs are playing all of their guys every other game, presumably. I mean, this was a back-to-back, so maybe we see them play in the next couple because they are not back-to-back. Spurs go Friday and Sunday, and then you have a back-to-back on Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Um, But we'll know more in a couple of days. Are they just going to give everybody every other game off? Does it matter if it's a back-to-back or not? Three-game weeks are good enough right now for Zach Collins, uh, Keldon Johnson... I mean, he had a bad percentages game here, but typically a three-game week has lately been enough for him. Uh, Devin Vassell, he's good enough. We know that from his season's body of work that a three-game week is sufficient. And Trey Jones is kind of your borderline three-game guy. The dudes that I think I'd want a four-game out of are... um, And Jeremy Sohan's kind of hanging on the the edge there as well. Uh, He probably falls more towards a schedule play for me just because of his deficiencies on the the nine-cat side. And same story for Malachi Branham. Um, Devontae Graham is not resting every other game, so that makes him a really solid head-to-head play, uh, but a very difficult one in Roto because what he needs is all of the guards to sit one day and then all of the bigs to sit the other one, but they're resting half the guards each time, and so there's just kind of sort of enough time for Devontae. I think you can probably play him on the Roto side, but you basically have to be hunting threes, assists, and a little bit of steals, and then not worry about the field goal percent. So Devontae, Jeremy Sohan, those are the guys that are kind of on the borderline. And then everybody beyond that, as we talked about, is schedule play only, which with the Spurs resting their guys every other game, I don't know that they technically have a true schedule play. And the Clippers, they have rebounded after a very rough stretch. We actually got a little bit more Russell Westbrook in this one, who'd been down around 23-ish minutes. He was up at 27, had a better ball game, still doesn't shoot, but also didn't turn the ball over. That's a huge deal for Russ. It's those those live ball momentum-destroying turnovers are easily the thing he does that hurts teams the most. And so if you avoid those, he has a chance to be a positive, which he was in this ball game. Um, I still think Russ is a schedule play. Eric Gordon has elevated himself into a schedule play. Terrence Mann is kind of borderline schedule play. Uh, and Ivica Zubats has held off Mason Plumley with a huge ball game here. And, you know, that's good for Zoo. And it means that Plumley is not even really a schedule play. And for the Warriors, little baby footnote on this game. Jonathan Kaminga came back. Uh, horrible first half. Much better second half for Kaminga. Draymond Green picked up his 16th technical foul and will likely be suspended for the Warriors' next ballgame. 
meaning you probably see a very heavy dose of Kevon Looney and Kaminga in that ball game, and you might as well get what you can out of it. Meanwhile, Steph had 50 points on 28 shots, and the Warriors shot 56% and lost because they turned the ball over. And they got outshot at the free throw line by a bunch. Tough break. This is one of those ones where the Warriors probably had enough firepower to win it and uh, didn't win it. Dante DiVincenzo remains a stream while Andrew Wiggins is out. And that is your look at yesterday. Now it's time to pivot. As I remind you once again to please follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris and hang out with us live on YouTube whenever you can at youtube.com slash sports ethos. As I remind you of all of these things, I want to pull up the schedule grid for the live viewers and take a look at what's going on here. Today, Thursday, March the 16th, is a complicated streaming day. There are a few teams that still have three games left the rest of the week. Three, to be exact. Uh, Orlando still has three. Um, Toronto has three and Denver has three. Denver's the one that I keep forgetting about because they don't really have anybody on that club that qualifies as a a fringy dude that's just going to be hanging out on waiver wires. The team you're probably looking at today is Orlando. And the team, the reason you would be looking at Orlando is if someone on your team lost or is about to lose games due to injury. So that's a big one. Uh, or if you're looking at a club that only has one game the rest of the week. And there aren't very many of those. Charlotte, but you should have done something with them yesterday when they still only had one game the rest of the week, but there were five days left, and you could have picked up anyone. Half the league had three games left the rest of the week. I get it. There's a desire to try to wait a little bit on this stuff, so you, you give yourself a better idea of what categories to attack, but you also severely limit the player pool by waiting that extra day. Uh, Cleveland only has one game over the next five days, so if you have any fringe calves, that's a place where maybe you can move on. Dallas, we've already talked about. They're sort of the big one. Um, New York, that's a team you should have moved off from a while back. Same with Utah. So uh, Dallas and Cleveland are kind of the only ones that get added to the mix after yesterday's ballgame as teams that now slide into a very poor schedule. Dallas had kind of a poor schedule all week, but it now has gotten extremely poor here towards the end of the week. And then the Cavs, who actually had a decent schedule the last couple of days, they are the, I guess, the alarming one that moves into the lighter, crummier schedule. Uh, Cleveland has Washington tomorrow. So if you wanted to wait through that ball game, if you have a Cav that you like, uh, you can pick up somebody for the weekend back-to-back. Same story for Dallas. So that's why I don't really like making moves today unless there's an obvious injury on your roster where you know, you're now looking at a zero the rest of the week, and you can turn that into a three-gamer of someone. Again, they're not, they're not going to be great. Orlando probably has the best options there. But three games of anyone is so vastly superior to zero games of anyone, you have no choice. But if we're just talking about someone with a bad schedule at this point, which namely Cleveland and Dallas are the two teams that we haven't, uh, we haven't already sort of reverse engineered here because the other teams I talked about had a bad schedule starting yesterday. You can... I'm thinking about this like from the Cleveland side. Like, what if you were streaming Karis Lavert for his back-to-back? It went really well for you. You might as well just hold on for one more. Because one game of Lavert, I think I talked about this during the pre-show on YouTube, 
but one game out of the player you like, and then a weekend back-to-back out of a fringy streamer is better than three games of a fringy streamer. You get a little bit extra there. So that's why I really dislike the idea of making a move today when you have these teams, you know, the teams that have the worst schedule play tomorrow. You don't have to worry about, like, if I think the Knicks play on Saturday. And that's one where you should have gotten off of them before anyway. So that, that shouldn't even be a question mark today. The question marks are Dallas and Cleveland. What should I do with them? And the answer, in my opinion, is let their guys go tomorrow on Friday, save that move for Saturday, Sunday, in addition to the fact that the teams we just talked about, Denver, they have a back-to-back over the weekend. So if you were looking at a nugget for today, you could still look at them then. The Clippers have a back-to-back over the weekend. They've got some fringy dudes. The Heat have a back-to-back over the weekend. Orlando, who we just talked about, has one. And Toronto as well. So you actually gain more possible uh, end-of-week scheduling options by waiting until Saturday with your roster move. So my take, and you guys know this, I love to try to add two games per roster move, but you also, like sometimes that can happen today or two days from now. You can still add two moves to the same slot in your roster. I just, I think there's a better way. So the Dan Vesper seal of approval on today will not be granted I will not grant the seal of approval on streaming today. Today is a day to let the moves you made ride. You probably have one, maybe two moves left if you've been long streaming for a while and you got onto good schedules on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. You know, getting off of your Hornets, getting off of your Knicks, getting off of your Jazz earlier in the week, the Hawks earlier in the week. You probably had to use two or three moves to deal with all of that crap. If you've had to use another move on an injured player, understandable. Are you out of move right now? Possibly, because a lot of guys have gotten hurt and replacements for those guys have gotten hurt this week. This is that one. This is that week why you long stream the previous week so that you don't have to use up all your moves on uh, bad schedule spots because guys, there are always these stretches where guys just get hurt. Realizing that in the... And maybe this has always been the case, but on YouTube, my eyes look very, very green. Is that the background? Look at them greens. Uh, And so that's your streaming discussion today. Don't do it. Did anybody get hurt yesterday significantly uh, to where you must, must move on? I I don't believe so. I think the only thing that happened yesterday was Draymond Green picking up that tech, and that's super annoying because he'll miss one of their upcoming back-to-back. But if it's the front end of that back-to-back... You know, what do you decide now? Do you drop Draymond, who has a game on Saturday, for someone who has three? Maybe that's a possibility? I'd love to still have Draymond next week, though. But if you can go Dre to a three-gamer, maybe that's the one thing that happened yesterday where you're like, well, at least I know this guy's schedule the rest of the week. I know when he's going to be playing. Because if he gets suspended, I assume he will be, it'll be tomorrow. It'll be the next game at Atlanta and then he'd be back for the game at Memphis. Warriors are on a five-game road trip. We'll see if they win any of them. That's a bad road road team this year. Otherwise, you know, any injury news that we had was probably the same as the day before. 
All right, let's wrap it up, as they say. At Dan Vespers over on Twitter. I doubt anybody right now is, is listening to this show for a very first time. But if you are, thank you. Welcome. That's the coolest part of this is seeing somebody new. If you're watching live on YouTube for the first time, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube page. The continued growth of this page is why I am going to continue to do these shows every day as long as humanly possible. I know today was a little bit weird. We started later. There wasn't any warning. Blah, blah, blah. Back tomorrow, uh, we might have Brew back on the show tomorrow. I actually don't know right now. I should probably talk to him. But hopefully we get Brew on the show tomorrow. We'll talk about some of the biggest stories of the week. We'll do some weekend long streaming stuff because you're definitely going to want to look at what's going into next week. Spoiler alert, next week, early season schedule sucks. It's a terrible week to try to front load, which means you don't get a massive advantage by trying to work on that right now. And in fact, your best options are trying to get folks that maybe have a game on just Monday because there are four or five teams that go four times Tuesday through Sunday. But we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. Again, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. And remember, we're signing off of everything at the same time right now. Recorded, live YouTube. There is no post-show Q&A today. We did it all before the show started on this uh I call it special, but it's actually sort of an anti-special Thursday edition. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see everyone again tomorrow. So long for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.